Hey, it's Russ Payton with Rule Playing Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 194, Game Design in Horror Movies. Because uh, I saw the Saw franchise and now you all have to suffer. Uh, <laughs> would you like to play a game? I want to play. No, it's I want to play a game. Uh, yeah, Jesus. Uh, they all blur together. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about game design topics and issues that talk in that pop up in horror movies, uh, surprisingly frequently. And uh, uh, yeah, and we have uh, Chris and Aaron here. Nope. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Uh, so this will be a lot. This is going to be more of a fun episode of just we're going to talk about horror movies and then how they relate to game design just in general. Um, and definitely not just a, a thin excuse to rant about Saw. Uh, <laughs> Something you've been mad about for decades. He's been sitting on this for a while. No. Uh, no I was around when you saw the last like the first one in a particular argument about the ending of that movie. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. No. Uh, I'll, we'll rehash the thing because Chris hasn't seen any of them. So this is going to be great i am a virgin so to speak <laughs> uh but before we get into that a bit of news uh if you're a member of the rppr patreon and if you aren't you should join because it's really cool lots of cool bonus podcasts and content uh we're going to be doing a horror movie marathon on uh october the uh 30th uh so we're gonna be watching a lot of cool videos and stuff what are we watching well it's a mystery uh but yeah we'll be it'll be exclusively on the rppr patreon discord uh 3 p.m central to 9 p.m. or so. Um, also, I have a newsletter uh, where you get a free monster PDF. And uh, I've been posting. You can look on the link to uh, the website, slangdesign.com slash newsletter and read some of the past uh, newsletters, to because I've reviewed, for example, the rehearsal uh, and compared it to uh, The King in Yellow, which is very true uh, if you watch the show. Uh, also, I had a campaign concept for dark fantasy games about a, a uh, uh, the Festival of Delights and Doom. So what is that? Well, read the newsletter and find out. So uh, sign up to the newsletter, get a free PDF and get cool articles that I'm writing uh, and also links to uh, interesting things. So, uh, yeah, I've read Ross's uh, 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 writing about the rehearsal and his enthusiasm and love for it is 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 palpable. Yeah, I do recommend you subscribe. It's free. Yeah, it is free. It's also free. Uh, you just need an email um, address. And we all have emails these days. And then Ross knows all your contact information. Uh, <laughs> He'll send it to Raven McCrae. No, I will not. <laughs> All right, God. Uh, the last Sorry. thing I want Raven McCracken. To, uh, the last thing I want is for Raven to understand that I exist. Like I, I know he's listed me on the Kickstarter uh, thanker section of the uh, Ultimate Adventures guy. That doesn't mean he understands that other people are real. I don't want him to understand that <laughs> that I'm a you real person. That, that break and then I'm talking shit about his games. I don't want him to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's the spooky month. I don't know if you know that, but this is the spooky month of the year. Uh, we, uh, of course, Maddie uh, is Australian, so I've been showing them all about you know the spooky month. Uh, look, people put skeletons up in their front yards and stuff, and like why? But yeah, um, Maddie is a fan of the Saw franchise and uh, watches them all every year, which I had I'd seen most of them. Uh, probably, well, the majority of them, I know I watched at least the first five, uh, but we, we, so far we've gone through the first seven of them of nine and there's going to be a 10th one next year. Uh, wait, what? Yeah. Saw, saw X baby, (laughs) October, 2023. (sighs) It's all cyclical. It Uh. is never going to end. Um, so this is X is in actually 10. Yeah, yeah. Not Mega Man X. They went Saw 1 <laughs> through so 6. I'm so excited. 
<laughs> Saw one through six, then Saw three D. Ooh, uh, and that was uh, 2010. Then 2017, they came up with Jigsaw, which I've not yet seen. Then in 2019, they had Spiral, which is the one with Chris Rock and Sam Jackson. Um, Did and, Danny Glover come back for that one? Or? No, I mean he died in the first movie. I just okay. I just <laughs> I, I, he very much clearly died. not a fan. I, I remember that one. I thought it was more vague, but I couldn't be wrong because again, there Saw has been playing fast and loose with its with its mythology for so goddamn long. It is. Um, yes, the Saw franchise is an attempt to like. Uh, uh, a very stylish and interesting first movie and then attempting to back shovel in as much shit because they set up their main villain to be a, a terminal cancer patient. And they're like, ah, <laughs> shit. That's kind of a problem. If we're not a supernatural thing or a sci-fi thing, if he's just a guy and he has terminal cancer, there's only so many movies we can make with him in it, uh, with that character in it. That is or a, can we? That's uh, a funny thing because Maddie and I were discussing that the other night and they stated, you know, they realized this guy is the linchpin of their movie it's like fuck how do we keep them in there yeah the 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 flashback (laughs) is a very important technique in the saw franchise uh so uh but game design stuff comes up in it all the time because obviously he's like i want to play a game make your choice live or die The, the whole thing in saw is that jigsaw kidnaps people puts them in a deadly trap of some kind because he thinks they aren't worthy of living and thinks that if they survive the trap, they'll appreciate life more. But obviously these traps mostly kill their people. Uh, and the few people that do survive almost inevitably become apprentices to Jigsaw, <laughs> helping them kidnap more people and put them in deadly traps. Because it's the only way they can keep explaining why people are winding up in deadly traps, which is the whole point of the series. Um, but uh, some of the traps are fair. Some of them are unfair. Like, you cannot win them at all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, uh, yeah, so like the first movie is, you know, there's a bit of Prisoner's Dilemma. Um, they uh, There's two people locked up in a room and they have to uh, uh, one of them is told this other guy has to die before 6 p.m. or your family's going to die and uh, but he's a whole moral dilemma Um, but for me just watch and and the the traps only get more elaborate from there as they're both handcuffed to or leg cuffed to a pipe in the wall and then the they have hacksaws but they can't cut through the uh, chains but hacksaws can cut through flesh so and the rusty pipe that was behind them well yeah 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 yeah, they they could do that (laughs) but they don't um and uh the fucking uh guy from the princess bride uh uh, oh carrie yula so yeah yeah (laughs) fucking cuts his foot off and goes off uh to uh uh, get help at the very end of the movie, uh, leaving the other guy trapped in there. And of course he dies. Um, but uh, it's just as a game designer, I just see these as like, these could be so better constructed. Like there's just so many, like I really want to see like a game design convention where kill room serial killers are like arguing about game design principles. Like, are you actually testing the people or is this just an excuse to have people die in elaborate murder traps? So, <laughs> so you're just taking the serial convention ever, from yeah, yeah. Sandman and then putting it to this, the death trap mm-hmm. incorporated. Yeah. Do, do, do they ever like, uh, okay. So you say like he, he, he decides his victims, which yeah. means he has some sort of surveillance over these people. So did they ever discuss how he chooses yes. people mm-hmm. he, uh, in the, third movie i think one of the yeah, movies i think it's the third. uh one of the detectives that's investigating him turns out to be a secret apprentice 
So uh, and so that guy is passing them all these police files of, oh, this person's a drug addict. They clearly don't deserve their life. And so let's put a bear trap on their head <laughs> and force them to cut someone open to get the key. Like that's that's one of the easy ones is just to uh, you got to get you got to get the key, which is in a guy. Uh, and you think he's dead, although he's just been sedated. Um, and, uh, if you get the key out in time, we, you can take the bear trap off your face and you won't, you know, the bear trap won't rip your jaws off. So, uh, yeah. And that's something else too, out of all these movies that kept getting to me is that not only just because of the, the, the endless apprentice network that he ends up gaining because mm-hmm. of this, but apparently, a, f- a fortune because he is just this master engineer who has a hold on at least 90 different patents that he gets uh, royalties from. He has access to an infinite amount of abandoned buildings. There's a lot of abandoned warehouses. Exactly. Or old houses or anything else. Just like he, he took over that neighborhood in Detroit that we saw from uh, Barbarian. And he just manages to, yeah, it, it just has everything. For a guy who is, has a terminal cancer diagnosis god knows he has rigged half of the city up just to be this giant arcade death maze yeah i mean that's the thing is like as a game designer do you actually design a fair what is a fair death trap uh versus an unfair death trap um and again the other thing is you can actually make a fun game about the logistics of jigsaw because um especially in the other movies he kidnaps multiple people and puts them in the same death trap or similar death traps and like or like he kidnaps some people and uses them as pawns to give a death trap, a moral dilemma, a trolley style. Uh, uh, you choose one person or the other uh, to one person will die. One person will live. You get to pick who. And uh, like, like by saw 3d, we count up the number of people jigsaw had to kidnap in and like keep sedated. It was 15 people. So like <laughs> think about the logistics of kidnapping 15 people, having them all be sedated and then tied up in very specific rooms. Uh, and the, so that they wake up at very specific times. Uh, and, uh, just also predicting like the very first thing in saw 3d is like this guy is in a murder trap and with another guy and only one of them can live. And it's a hold your breath contest basically. And the other guy and the main character is like this healthy insurance executive CEO actually. Uh, but the other guy is a 15, 50 year old, uh, 52 year old chain smoker. <laughs> and so obviously the chain smoker is going to lose. but what if the chain smoker won that contest? Then like all the other death traps are based on the in- people, the in- executive, <laughs> knows not who this chain smoker knows yeah so like so just if one then one time his copd didn't kick in so this guy it just so they got him because he was a chain smoker what did they get this guy because he was a chain <laughs> yeah. smoker? Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. basically, that's it. Like, he's just a janitor at the same company and a chain smoker. And he's like, well, this guy's a chain smoker. He doesn't appreciate life. So he's going to be. The, so, out of how many other people that are constantly in the in the smokers lounge at this high end corporation that that had to just be like reaching into the candy I'm bowl and Jigsaw grabbing his has, has, has a membership to Planet Fitness or some shit. <laughs> yeah. and he thinks a lot about himself, yeah. especially with terminal cancer. 
you're thinking about. You did well. <laughs> who knows? You know what? I bet you gave yourself the cancer t- jigsaw. There's my opinion. I bet you gave it. To he needs himself a challenge. But like as an R- <laughs> if, if jigsaw, this is proof that jigsaw never ran RPGs because if you run RPGs at all, you're gonna like recognize players are gonna do the thing you don't expect, and like you're just gonna like, oh, clearly this guy will survive the trap and we'll get to the second trap, and there'll be people he knows. Like who's he gonna save? He has to choose which of his employees die. You know, and shit like that. <laughs> but then like RPG was like, no, hundred percent the chain smokers gonna live somehow. <laughs> he's just gonna burn a will PowerPoint and everybody befriends him. Great succeed it. Kid gonna, it back to his grandkids. He just wanted in this room. He just, I don't recognize any of you people. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> oh, I guess I'll choose that person to live. Like it's uh it's just <sighs> but yeah, uh, um, so yeah, the, I could argue about uh, uh, rant about the franchise forever. Just again, logistics. How do you kidnap fifteen people? Like you need an entire team. You need shuttle vans going back and forth. You need a team of anesthesiologists to keep everyone sedated, you know, not dead, uh, and still able to wake up and be active. But um, we, I mean, that's the thing. Like uh, you know, I just mentioned game design and horror movies. Like you, if Aaron, you had like you brought up Phantasm first. So like, um, I'm really curious about why you think game design is an important part of phantasm. Um, it not in, maybe in particular mechanics, but into the development of consistent story going on for a campaign, basically okay. something that was developed initially for a one shot mm-hmm. that they thought, Oh, we have some of the good ideas we might be able to expand and never being able to really connect all the dots together because the first phantasm movie, and I don't know if Chris, have you seen these? Oh, I recall it's about the uh, the I recall it's about the guy who uh, 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 he has a little silver ball claw. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. yeah the, so if we're going down to the basics, if you've never seen that, it's just kind of this dream like horror film uh, where this boy comes across who's mourning the loss of his parents and his uh, kind of dead beatish brother comes back into town to try to take care of him, uh, discovers that the uh, mortician in town is basically this entity, possibly alien, who is resurrecting corpses into Jawas um, because they had the Jawa cloaks and they more or less were them. And uh, we're sending them off into the alternative dimension to be slave miners or something. So and and again, it's really weird and off. And the way that they do it is setting up all sorts of little creepy things like that's where I got my fear of mausoleums when I was younger. So it's like, oh, this is creepy and awful. Mm -hmm. But as a as a one shot, it works because you have players. You don't know exactly what's going on. You have this really tall guy who's just screaming boy at you all the time. The silver flying balls. Hey, those are cool mechanics. They're about to kill you. Mm-hmm. But when they continue to expand it, like the second movie, it's like, oh, we're going cross country. Hey, this has to do something about psychics all the time. Hey, your main character just developed psychic powers out of this from out of nowhere. Hey, uh, one of the fa- one of the side guys suddenly has a family that we didn't know about and they're gone because he was targeted for some reason let's go to the third movie hey all of middle america is decimated they still hunting the guy hey your main character is not really a psychic he has a gold ball in his head because he's secretly some sort of uh it's like a minion for the tall man in one part it's just layering so many things that it becomes an incomprehensible mess to try to string that uh, to try to untangle yeah. especially when you get to the fifth one and i feel so bad because it didn't explain anything. It was just, hey, all parallel dimensions are a thing. Goodbye. 
Like, uh, yeah, Phantasm is a campaign that you meet, uh, like a group of pe- people who are friends in college. They meet like every year, every two years, and like they that's their campaign. <laughs> this is like the biannual, uh, like let's do another Phantasm game, yeah. And it's all misremembered, half remembered because there's such long pauses between all of them. Oh, god, and, been through those, but too. like, like the silver ball in Phantasm, so we've all seen that, like, at mm-hmm. least the little, like, that's yeah. a good, like, balanced, like, kind of monster or enemy for a game because like it's deadly but like you know what it does and you know what it can't do and you know how to survive it like it's pretty obvious like don't get hit like get a door between you and the thing you yeah know? um yeah um or and like I said and because it's variable it can just develop any other kind of weaponry that you want on there yeah you can modify it, the knives drills yeah. uh or even for again a neither storytelling if you insist on doing the campaign for it uh you have the good guy ball that kind of floats around and you might be able to bring up as a character see that's again with our experience the npc that Mm -hmm. everybody will come around it's like hey this one's not quite attacking us let's make it our friend yeah so um but yeah chris what what kind of uh uh horror when i I talk about game design horror movies what movie comes to your mind first absolutely you know i've been thinking about this and i think it's very true yeah i think young sherlock's holmes is such a tabletop game okay from from, from head to snout (laughs) Because, um, well, let's start here. It, it, Young Sherlock Holmes, I think, only has any a, a connection to the original stories, just in name. Yeah. Because the film is just so phantasmagorical. This it's is just the 80s so one, right? Yes. With, like the stained glass thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's I've never heard of this. this Pixar did it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. I, I mean, you know, that movie scared the shit out of me. It still scares shit out of me. I have not watched it since I was young, but I can vividly remember you know, particular scenes for that film. You, you mentioned the other uh, stained glass night. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the worst part for me was the uh, part where the fat kid gets knocked down. Then the, the cakes come alive and they shove themselves into his mouth. That is still <laughs> deeply upsetting. <laughs> me. That is, that is like, you know, whoever wrote that, that was their nightmare. <laughs> and, you know, but, but it's, it, you know, but it's also like, you know, the, 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 the tone varies and it's so disjointed, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, that happens in the tabletop game. sometimes. okay. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I very much feel like, you know, OK, the fat kid falls down, gets gets bound up and now cakes are shoving him in his mouth. Like that's like that's like a couple of, you know, D100 rolls on a table somewhere. <laughs> right. You know, it's just kind of like that's cruel. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, oh, OK, well, now the knight is going to step out of the out, out of the stained glass and actually fight you. And like, you know, and, and then but obviously Sherlock Holmes is not a fighter. So like, you know, the, you, you can kind of see us like, OK, you know, him backing away, dodging the knives, the player trying to find out how can I get around the situation since I'm not a fighter, since I'm just you mm-hmm. know a young detective. I'm, I am this great character from from popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's not explicitly a horror film. But I mean, if you think back on it, it's just I use the word phantasmagorical. Just yeah. So much bizarre shit just happens. And like the one excuse you can really think of is, this, well, it says young Sherlock Holmes. He's imagining this is all happening. Children's imaginations are powerful, aren't they? <laughs> and, you know, and that's been taken as a game. You know, things that go bump in the dark or or or, or, or there's a game you guys play a lot. You, you play young children. Oh, uh, uh, Monsters and Other Childish Things. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and you know, it seems to fall into like, you know, that, that sort of like thing. Mm-hmm. And and um you know, yeah. so, so like, I, I, I think which, which, what system would you use to recreate young Sherlock Holmes if you were tasked for it? Uh, it depends on the tone, actually. Um, there are a number of games that are about not just, uh, you know, the well, there's a game literally called Kids on Bikes, uh, which oh. is about the, the genre of kids on bikes, which is, yeah, young. I mean, it's meant for more like 1980 suburbia, but obviously it would be adaptable. There's also Little Fears, uh, both of which are focused on just the kids not having like necessarily a monster 
supernatural friend like Mon- like monsters and other childish things. The only game that really does that. Um, so one of those things are just like something like fate. Uh, now the thing is, if I want to be lethal, I could also see this as being like a funnel adventure. Like just have a whole, like it's a school field trip and like, <laughs> everyone gets like four kids and like, we're just going to see how many make it out. We, we have a lot of random death traps in there, you know? Um, I guess if you're like wants- a Willy Wonka kind of thing, unless, yeah. <laughs> it's much like, darker. Oh man. Talk that's... about like, that would be great. Having a Willy Wonka death trap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who makes it out of the hill tunnel? tunnel? Yeah. Um, that would be fun um, um i'm thinking maybe even though it's more science fiction based to using tales from the loop at least in its baseline system if you're wanting to play the kids yeah and, and it, it would just i think require more work because it's very tales from the loop is very set in like sweden mm-hmm. the 80s and that kind of thing so yeah um i think the thing is the main point of this episode if anything is that good game design can make good cinematic storytelling and vice versa like um like if you think of movies with actual good game design principles in them like the biggest example for me is the thing like uh because that basically inspired that is the perfect example of the mafia werewolf among us kind oh of. yeah absolutely yeah uh so but the, i mean there's there's a lot of movies that have those but like that that like another good example would be the tremors uh at least tremors one because like that's the perfect rpg uh that's the perfect the textbook example of how to introduce a good monster for a monster of the week type of thing like you come with a new monster with new powers and whatever and you want to show it off well you 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 have to have multiple encounters with the players without them killing it or it killing them mm-hmm. they have to learn how it works they have to learn that it's not just a one trick pony but it can do multiple things you know like oh we know we you know like midway through the movie they think they know how tremors works right they know how the graboids work and then the graboids start taking down buildings and like shit like that and like sabotaging vehicles to trap them like they're smart fucking creatures uh so i think and that makes a really good movie and so uh and conversely bad game design principles like uh can be illustrative of uh, bad movies like saw one the thing that pissed me (laughs) off (laughs) <laughs> in Saw One, and uh, so I did see that with you, yeah, right, Aaron? Or- uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think you saw it with me, but Tom and I saw it, and then you were discussing it. And you were just—I I remember your opinion about that so vividly. So yeah. So uh, spoilers for Saw One. You know, the, the, the decades t- old, a decade over a decade old. Yeah, movie, yeah. So. Tw- almost twenty years at this point. Oh uh, Jesus Christ! Uh, the, the two guys are trapped in this room, you know, as as, a, as we mentioned before, but there's a dead body in the middle of the room. And one of the, these two people who were trapped, uh, the Princess Bride guy is a doctor in the movie. And, you know, dead guy's been there in and they bright lights. They can see him. They can see everything clearly. And they've been there for hours. And at the end of the movie, um, the dead guy stands up and he was Jigsaw. Uh, <laughs> and it's like. Ah, that pissed me off because it's like there's a doctor right there. You can't. Okay, one, if you drugged yourself to look like you're dead, I guess maybe. But like that would be for a doctor observing you the entire time. That would be like "Mm." Uh, the the other thing, though, would be um, like if you're drugged, then you're not going to get up at the dramatic time. You're drugged. You, you're just going to wake up, and kind of like, <laughs> you know, like you're not like you don't just snap out of that perfectly. And two, if you're not drugged, then you're like going to fucking breathe or move or twitch. Like you can't be like ah, just piss me off. So it is like yeah, it, <laughs> the whole point of the saw thing is like is it's an escape room, right? Like it's about the logic and like figuring out what they want and outwitting them and that kind of shit. And then like they just say ah nah. 
fuck you. You were tricked all along. You didn't have a chance all along. <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> so how are you able to break the suspension of disbelief, uh, 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 suspension of belief mm-hmm. for a soft film versus like, well, I, I don't know, a, a, a horror film that you unilaterally enjoy? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's because it's consistent within itself. Uh, like the thing is consistent. They establish the rules very early on and they never they they in fact create a lot of ambiguity. But that's kind of the point. Like they don't give you enough information to like like people tried to make timelines and like this character got infected when and this. But like the movie doesn't they, they there's uh, time elapses between cuts. So you don't know what happens. And there's only a lot of supposition, even at the very end, which, you know, again, spoilers for the thing. Um, but when it's McCready and Childs at the very end, you know, they people have been they uh, have been agonizing over it's like is McCready breathing any fog does Childs have like a weird glint in his eyes or something and of course we'll never tell and John Carpenter is keeping his mouth shut as per mm-hmm. his prerogative on there but yeah no you're right that that has a lot of elements um, although in defense of Saw just because I, I do understand where you're coming on the inconsistencies on I that. I mean there's other bullshit things in the, even in oh, the oh no that, the, 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 line, the the inclination of bullshit with Saw goes very high like I will bring up uh, I'm sorry this is probably a spoiler for Jigsaw, but I only saw it the other day where I saw a fucking laser collar and I'm like, no, fuck you. That's the dumbest is it laser gun. that cuts. It does it's a laser. a laser that cuts people into okay. people. It is the dumbest fucking thing. Like it's like it's modifying the shotgun one from, I think, Saw 4. Yeah. Which, you know, it, no, that's it, Saw 3. Is that Saw that, 3? OK, you're right. The, so. uh, the doctor because, uh, you know, he has brain cancer. So they they kidnap a doctor to operate. Yeah, on, on operating. OK, you're right. Sorry. That's Saw yeah. 3. Again, this uh, is are all there it, a lot of cancer patients in the Saw series. Oh, uh, well, not, not, no, there's just the one. Uh, everyone else like he kills the his insurance executive who denied him treatment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I dig that. That's OK. Yeah, that's Saw. Yeah, that's yeah, Saw 3D, yeah. I think, or um, Saw 6. Yeah, uh, but kind of at least building into like you're talking about suspension of disbelief here with uh with that you know you're right i i assume with whatever drug he's taking that his body would react like you're coming out of uh if you're coming out of unconsciousness and you just breathe in at that moment too probably but at least maybe not noticing them they're in you know a darkened room only one person who's actively around panicking Mm-hmm. in that moment so and then concerned about the fact that they're hearing all this disparate information so for me at least that feels like that could help with ignoring the body in the moment and not really but they were in there for hours true <laughs> and that is true and again it stretches for it it, it kind of can stretch along that and i think at the end of the day at least for me it was more just general atmosphere that helped build towards that that they'll me look o- overlook that saying like you know what yeah there are issues with this but it's like how it was presented was good enough in the moment and this is also before we knew this was going to be just another nightmare on elm street friday the 13th uh halloween into infinity so oh man so nightmare on elm street that's a series that's about like when you don't know your you make a monster but you don't you don't really figure you don't understand the monster <laughs> you because know the backstory like, or his powers it was his powers like the basic premise is like oh yeah he kills you in your dreams okay all right yeah but 
how does that work for the players? Like, how do we survive and how do we stop them? And that obviously varies every fucking movie, right? They have to bullshit a new thing every single movie. Cause it's not like Jason, Jason, that you just got, you just got to fucking do enough damage to the guy. You just got to like, like eventually uh, he'll go down, but eventually he'll go down or you'd like uh, throw him in the lake again. Like that, that, you know, wrap him in chains, throw him in the lake, something like that. He's a physical thing, but like Freddie, like, Oh, we got to bring him into the real world. Then we can fight him or we, gotta like find his bones and bury them on hollow ground or we gotta we gotta find these dream monsters and banish them the things that give him power gotta send his dead mom after him just yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um yeah that that, that's the that's the illustration for that it's like know how your fucking monster works and know how the players like survive it um and yeah that that that's when you go too far away when you establish a cosmology it's got to be consistent at least to the players also Uh, Apparently, Wes Craven existed between realities as an as an omni omniscient writer of everything. So, well, sure. If if nothing else, by Wes Craven's new nightmare, which God, that movie did not hold up. Uh, God, I watched the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 one Mm -hmm. uh, last night. And like, God, such a dreary movie. It's just like. Like and also oh, the it's CG- time though yeah 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 that was yeah they were remaking all the fucking things they remade Halloween they remade uh, uh, that Friday was twenty ten when that came? it was around that time okay, like late two thousands early twenty tens okay um, yeah uh, hey the electric kettle uh, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I forgot to unplug that anyway. I only say that just because it's Tron Legacy and when it came out in twenty ten and obviously yeah they were making all kinds of but things. that was a good thing so okay oh that scary movie <laughs> <laughs> it can be yeah. <laughs> I'm trapped in the computer at this nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's loud and I want to go to bed. <laughs> Is that the new Drake song? Uh, um, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about dungeon, like, uh, uh, of course, the biggest dungeon crawling movie uh, in horror is obviously uh, the Cube franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, either of you seen Cube? Uh, oh yeah, no, I've seen okay. all the Cubes. Okay, so well, actually, all not, the Cubes. Not not the new Korean. Was it Korean? I think. Oh Korean yeah, one I've not out. seen that either. Yeah, I'm sorry. This crosses like 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 cultures even. There's like there's like an American cube and a Korean cube. Well, actually, the original one was uh, it's actually a Canadian production. So uh, it's and basically I, America. Let's let's be honest. Hey, <laughs> that, that was actually funded by Canadian uh, arts grants. Okay. So in there right. goes. But uh, no, actually, I really loved the original cube oh, sure. one. But that's kind of, you know, talking about Phantasm where you have a baseline idea, which is really good for essentially a one shot. Mm-hmm. And then. You have uh, it's like you want to increase that, but then all the rules are becoming inconsistent, not only for the story, but just how the function of the cube is and what it does. Like I and the second one dealing with hypercubes and uh, tesser forms like, OK, that you, you want to deal with like fourth dimensional objects that could be fun. Nobody else. You don't. You don't explain it well, and nobody really understands what you're getting with, other than just, "Hey, time is wacky in here," or mm-hmm. "We're just looking at each other." Or how did they get from a mechanic, a, a giant mechanical underground labyrinth, to this? 
Well, I mean, like, the giant mechanical labyrinth is just as fantastical as that. That like, is true, I mean, like, but it's but at least there's like, some functions. I mean, at least that, like, also RPGs are you know uh, uh, about imagination. So like, yeah, fuck realism to a degree. It's just like if you make your world where fantastical things could happen, like let let the players know fantastical things could happen. It's like Saul is basically fantastical because again, <laughs> just <laughs> a, incredible kidnapping efficiency. They're so good at kidnapping, like <laughs> and drugging people just the right amount. Oh God. No chloroform works wonders in that universe, apparently. So yeah, that's, a, that's a subtle fantasticalness versus, oh, I open this door and it's bigger on the inside somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we could time travel in the cube and all this other time loops and all that other good shit. Um, God. Yeah. Uh, but like, that's a good example of like, again, a lot of horror, it comes down to like escape room kind of like scenarios basically um and that's always fun to do but but like you have to establish the puzzles and like make them winnable and like i said or make if the game's if it's not winnable make it the game about how it's unwinnable and how you meet the end like uh recently on kickstarter i saw a game called you meet in a tavern you die in a dungeon it's a game about like making player care you know adventurers to go and like it's a story about how they die in the dungeon not if they die in the dungeon which i think is a good distinction so it's fine to do a game about that but like yeah i was about to ask because you know uh um i just had an idea so like i mean you know in, in the game of delta green mm-hmm. you know i mean i mean it's not that players don't survive but i feel very much that people play that game to have a very entertaining death so they can regale pe- other people later <laughs> oh yeah here's yeah. here's how i succumb to madness it's yeah it's how it's finding out what happens like what what what's really going on and like the the gory fate of your character ne- not necessarily in like is it a death or a fate worse than death you know yeah. um but like for can it does support campaign play so it takes multiple things before your character gets you know it's about the erosion a lot of times like uh it's uh, delta green is actually like your character's are pr- the longer they go the more likely it is they're going to die so uh but they're going to go they can survive multiple adventures uh in actually pretty good shape uh dep- but like one bad dice roll can end it so so okay so yeah, yeah. you're in a tavern you're dying in a dungeon but, but yeah I, I assume there are you know there have to be other play other people who made games six for like okay you know the end is like like i don't know something on the titanic for example yeah, yeah, yeah. the end mm-hmm. is certain but we're going to play the internal between you know there's there's a lot of games like on itch uh when i was doing the live stream with uh baz we were we found a lot of games that were about like this is a game about how your mech pilot or your you know whatever character is going to die and we're just going to explore what happens i mean like thousand year vampire is actually the solo journaling rpg game is about your the story of your vampire but it almost always it, it it ends like they're like you you basically have like a hundred or two hundred ran uh, writing prompts for and then you randomly go back and forth on these writing prompts to describe what happens to your character but the last prompts are always like this is how your story ends you get captured by a secret government organization they experiment on you or you, you decide to walk out into the sun or you transcend and become an enlightened being you know from you know or whatever like something happens to your or you go to sleep and you never wake up um and uh so yeah that's a game about meeting your end like what happens to your long tragic existence as a vampire so um it it does happen it's more of an indie storytelling game thing rather than like a trad rpg trad rpgs are you know big rule book combat you know obviously derives from D in some way and indie storytelling games are you know everything from one page games to uh solo rpg stuff like thousand year old vampire so yeah um, so you describe saw as like an escape room i mean when i think about it now like back in 2004 like escape rooms weren't weren't, weren't really a thing like it's true yeah, no it's yeah, prevalent yeah yeah 
So like, uh, uh, um, have you had a lot of experience with these uh, 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 escape room, you know, sets like the Summit Target? It looks like a board game. Yeah. It's pretty mm-hmm. much meant to be played exactly one time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, <laughs> surely there's got to be a saw. I, 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 if you, I mean, there's got to be a saw TTRPG. No. With this much material. Nope. No. So like, I mean, so, you know, for, you know, like, like, like what I'm describing is a box and it's all contained within each other. Do you think that is there a system or would you be able to develop a system that allows you to 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 freeform an engaging escape room scenario? Well, freeform, that would be hard to do because it's all about the logic of the puzzles, right? Like to do an RPG thing, that would be you could do it in Delta Green. You could do it in Trail of Cthulhu. I would probably do it in Gumshoe because Gumshoe, um, which has is has multiple games, Trail of Cthulhu, Night's Black Agent, Fear Itself. Fear Itself would be the most example. But like. The main thing is you 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 have different abilities and you have a certain number of points, like three points in accounting or hacking or mechanical engineering or whatever. And then you don't roll. You spend a point, you lose a point, but then you gain a clue or some sort of advantage. And so the players get to determine what clues they get oh. and they always get enough clues to figure out a solution, but they, they have to, the challenge is interpreting clues, not getting the clues. So with saw, I, that would be the core thing of an escape room. You get the clues, but you have to interpret them correctly. Like, you know, you may know the date of something. You may know like the little cryptic rhyme, he says, but you have to figure out what it really means. Okay. Um, yeah. And again, in a game like that, particularly, could there be also a mechanic that specifically also rewards cooperation over conflict? Because going back to Saw, that's a in one instance, they give so many puzzles where if you actually had ended up working together mm-hmm. or caring about the other person, you would have made it through just fine. Yeah. Or just weird contextual things like I'll bring up Saw too. Um, one of the traps in there was there is a key through a box and the whole gimmick was that you could it, it's essentially a one way entry. You can get your hand in there, but once you have the key, if you pull back on it, it starts cutting into your wrist. The simplest solution would be just to go to somebody saying like, hey, I can't do this. And they can put your hands in there to space it out and then you can just get out free. Yeah. But again, everybody in that in that entire movie was just out to get each other yeah. constantly. Um, so. I mean, the, the cooperation thing. Yeah, that's more of a scenario design thing, right? Like designing traps like that mm-hmm. uh, and other opportunities where player like in the original Saw movie, the characters are trapped at opposite ends of the room. They have to throw each other things. They can't like reach like, oh, like certain play like one guy has a thing like key or something. He has to throw it or the other guy gets a tape player. They have to throw tapes back mm-hmm. and forth and shit like that um and yeah so like that that's kind of the deal with uh the saw movies uh or that's how you do that like not not i mean in in gumshoe you could do like oh spend a point to give a player a bonus or something like that okay. but like um yeah i i would uh, uh uh structure it like that so that's how you do saw um but like like we often in RPGs though, they're not really escape room puzzles. Like there are puzzles, but like, you know, most of my players like Baz, they're like, I'm not going to solve the puzzle. Fuck you for you. <laughs> Hi Baz. But, yeah. Uh, like it's, it's about interaction stuff like that. So like, um, you know, again, one of the, my big inspirations for everything I do in RPGs is Clive Barker. Cause Clive Barker was like, uh, famously, uh, I made Hellraiser because I wanted a monster who could talk and explain 
why he was doing what he was doing and they could have a conversation with the 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 person he was trying to kill or, or torture and like because you know jason doesn't i mean freddie talks but he's just you it, know it, it's it's going from like he's you just know, screaming bitch at people well like, yeah. or, or just being incredibly goofy and and mugging constantly by yeah. the end uh which i'm glad you brought that up there because i was about to say speaking of puzzle boxes mm-hmm. the length configuration in hellraiser <laughs> so and yeah it gave us i mean it's it describes the puzzle box but it's everyone can it's pretty easy to solve. It seems like everyone fucking figures that shit out. Well, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I I don't know if we want to do spoilers for the new Hellraiser or not. No, so. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, all I'll say is that uh, I've seen it. I actually do like it. Um, it's different. It's just interesting with the different particular set of rules that they have given uh, the lament kit. Well, the, the box at this point too, because they've, again, there are rules specifically with it and descriptions that actually use the lament configuration, but that's not the only yeah, yeah. configuration. So, um, but yeah, and that's again, I, if you're talking about things in game design, having your players being able to figure things out as they go along, either by accident because of reaching a, a particular time clock, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, or just doing something that inadvertently potentially dooms themselves or somebody else. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting for there, but yeah, no. And I, I like what you said about Hyatt Barker having, the the monster that can actually discuss everything with you so well i mean like i mean it's role playing yeah. like it's it's based on like theater like it's like you it's which is talking like that's what theater is like, <laughs> fucking talking to each other um and uh yeah a lot of role playing games that like don't emphasize that enough uh because <laughs> they're still trapped in the war game like uh, uh sort of route um you know one one game that actually one movie sorry uh that has a very interesting game design and talking principles in it is uh circle have you heard of this it's on netflix uh maddie showed it to me uh, uh and it's so it's this sci-fi horror movie where 50 people appear in this room they each have a circle around them um and uh every two minutes one of them dies but they realize pretty quickly on that they each can control they can they have a thing a mechanism which they can move their hands to select which of the other people dies next and whoever if the majority of people agree on that person that's the person who's going to die next and so they start talking about who to vote for next uh and like they realize only one when one person's a lot that it'll keep going until there's only one person alive and that person gets to escape um and that's the entire movie it's like 90 minutes of just <clears throat> people standing and talking but it's actually incredibly tense because you know like they keep revealing new shit and like um and that would be an interesting that would be a hard scenario to do in an rpg because 50 characters to explain to have out and like uh but like you could do probably something similar with that but like maybe 10 at yeah the minimum, well so. yeah yeah like uh, a number of players with a number of npcs and then trying to get them to vote in one you know like oh which village gets b- sacrificed to the devil or something <laughs> like that uh i don't know um I, I just like that premise and i think that's interesting if you want to look at game design in horror movies, that would be a good movie to watch it because it's also pretty obscure. Um, but yeah, um, then I mean, it's just also a lot of horror movies are based on rules, right? Like yeah. the monster can do this, but it can't do that. And so we, you have to like figure out what these rules are and then not break them. Um, you know, it follows is a good example of that because you really find out what the rules are pretty quickly and you got to fucking follow them or <laughs> it's going to follow you. Hey, um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, when we were watching 
saw, we did like come up with an idea of like doing a campaign based on the actual what really happens with Saw because it's it's a whole it's a whole like it's like, like hundreds of people have to work to do this because it's not like one one terminal cancer patient, one detective and one ex junkie uh, like kidnapping 15 people. And like actually by that time, by saw six or seven, it's just the detective. One detective did not kidnap 15 people, drug them, set them up in an abandoned zoo and like set up like five death traps before the first person woke up too soon you know like it was a whole department there were multiple departments of people it was like a whole fucking like 300 people had to do that they had to have they didn't have people to support those people they'd have craft services they had to have a fucking medic like on set because like you know like the q a department has a high injury rate because they're the ones not like stepping in the traps they got it tested you know they get their fingers cut you know snapped at and fingers broken um you, you, you said eventually the source of the evil or the source of jigsaw or, or yeah yeah you said there's supernatural elements i mean there it's just it's it's technically realistic but like there's so many coincidences and like <laughs> and and behind the scenes shit it has to be supernatural like you know or or unless there's just like maybe it's one of the weird extensions of the uh, cabin in the woods crew mm-hmm. that just it's like, hey, we found this one guy. It's going to keep it's like just go away. It's like under the ground, at least for another five years. Let's support him. Also, let's <laughs> it's like we have another ritual that will keep his brain alive so he can still make tapes for us. But, oh, yeah. But oh, we yeah, need that's another keep thing. They it. keep like long after Jigsaw dead. There's like, I want to play a game <laughs> like they keep using this fucking voice. Although, no, they they they, they actually have a whole point of like uh, uh, decoding the voice to, to find out what the real voice is. And that's how some people find out it's the 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 detective Hoffman, who's a secret apprentice. And then, of course, Detective Hoffman's in the room when they figure this out. So he just like just murders everyone who <laughs> was there, sets the building on fire. <laughs> you know, if nothing else, I am appreciative of the fact that it has given that one actor. God knows how much money and residuals just for who played jigsaw oh, yeah. um tobin bell tobin yeah. bell so he's a i've actually seen him in a lot of other things he's a really good actor but if yeah. nothing else i feel good that he could just sit in his pajamas and go like oh it's time to get to work jigsaw, i want to play a game yeah. <laughs> it's like good for him <laughs> Yeah, for civil engineer, he is a very like he's very into puppets, weirdly. Uh, but that okay. So I need to bring something up at okay. that because when they gave his backstory in what Saw three or four, I think it's three. Because yeah. it, it, the old the whole thing that set him off is that his wife worked at a free clinic, uh-huh. and uh, some drug addict managed to. That's like push her into the wall. Unfortunately, caused her to miscarry. No, no, no. So and the the drug addict uh, uh, talked his, Well, basically, what happens? He he talked his way into the clinic at Windows closing to steal some drugs. He steals the drugs, and then uh, she's by the door by the wall and then he slams the door open the door slams into her and so it's a door abortion it's a door abortion yeah it was that that, yeah caused that but yeah but also in between when he was talking to her about like this wonderful life they want to start because he was retiring with his multi-million dollars in patents or whatever we said like hey well that's like i have something for my child and brings out the the jigsaw puppet which is the creepiest fucking thing it's like did you grow up with this did you modify this I mean, what the real the answer is that the, the 
director of the first movie, James Wan, just really is creeped out by puppets. Fair enough. He did a puppet horror movie. I forgot what it's called. Oh, my God. That's the one at the very end where the dad has been like a meat puppet this entire time, hasn't it? I I haven't seen it. I saw that stupid spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, um, yeah, Saw is just what not to do in game design. Uh, (laughs) Don't do what Saw does because it's it's uh, Saw's greatest crime is being too realistic is what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, you could take the idea of Saw and make it into something supernatural like unknown armies be very easy. It's a ritual to get in charge for some weird evil adept or something like that, or walk the avatar of the trap guy, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Like that's a, that's a simple route is to make it supernatural, but like, it's just, yeah, again, how the, just the logistics of 15 people being kidnapped, no one finding out, no one detecting it. And they all stay drugged for the exact right amount of time. Uh, if nothing else, not to mention the logistics of building all these traps involve steam pipes and bear traps and like mechatronic, like fucking things like oh we're, we're gonna make a furnace that like folds it like it just it's a platform but then it folds up into a furnace like uh yeah i mean just again you're right the logistics behind all of this and i mean the greatest thing is also people in the saw franchise forget how to use tools or use problem solving because <laughs> it's true they um like in saw five okay so like there's another cooperative trap where like they start with five people and they have to go through the a series of rooms and each room one of them gets murdered because the others decide it's easier to do that but then they get to the last room and they realize oh if all of us were alive this this the last trap is like you need to get 10 pints of blood in this jar before the timer runs out or the room's gonna blow up and if everybody was alive they would just be able yeah, to yeah you can you can survive with five pints so two people can each contribute five pints and live um but the thing is when they when they look in this room the door to the previous room is still open so they could just and like there's a corpse of the previous person in there so like they, they before they close the door to start the timer and start the trap so they can like escape they like oh i bet we need to put blood in that like you can grab that that the corpse of that you know, dead lady and just drag her in there. That's like, you can just squeeze a lot of blood out of a corpse. Uh, she was electrocuted. She's not even bleeding. Like you could, you could, uh, but he needs a certain blood type. Uh, Consider this. Maybe they both have the same blood type. That's why they can get away with it. No, it's it senses a B. It's just a glass basin. Is that jar. any less stupid than the rest of what you described? No. The thing is these people like shove their hands into table saws. Like they, they are not like just putting like a little pinky and trying to squeeze it. They're just like, they're really, fucking go for it <laughs> like the willingness to pe- for people in the saw universe to self-harm is amazing uh, oh my God. I think if you wake up in the saw death yeah. trap it's already a long day and you just can't give a shit anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know I do want to see what looks like split my arm yeah <laughs> yeah god I mean even in the first movie like uh, you know dude it like wakes up in a barbed wire trap he really goes for it um, oh, oh god that one yeah. too oh. but even in the first movie the traps are totally unfair because they mentioned like oh this one guy who was uh a, i forgot what his problem was he was like a, a another drug addict or something he's like uh, or a con artist yeah yeah how dare he he wakes up in a room that's totally covered with uh uh some some sort of flammable like a jelly like substance i don't know oh him and yeah, he yeah. had to, he yeah, there's a safe in the middle of the room and there's all the and he uh, has a candle so obviously he has to he needs a light to open up the safe but obviously if he's you know he can set himself on fire very easily but there's numbers on the wall to that that's the combination of the safe the problem is there it's just covered in numbers it's just hundreds of numbers so it's like 
how the there's literally no possible way for him to figure out which numbers are the the combination of the exactly other there's than, no other clues that's yeah. like wait is it's like was this just a mathematician that we kidnapped who had a really bad heroin problem <laughs> like how, like you don't how know how is he gonna get this yeah but even if like uh like is that a 28 or is that a two and then an eight like it's it's i remember too because that yeah. was the whole thing of the candle where you could just barely see it or the numbers were not scratched in in a yeah. way where you could even there was tell. no other clue there's no other indication of which were the real numbers so basically you're fucked like it's just and obviously he he the 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 candle ignites the flammable stuff and he burns to death and it's very horrible but like jesus fucking christ uh it's it's uh amazing um so yeah the, the like where are the other movies i wanted to um oh i guess yeah the only other one i haven't mentioned yet well, there, well there's two more one would be Wishmaster. Uh, oh god yeah uh so because that's the whole thing about wishes, which are in RPG is a big thing, like at least in D&D, like we can't, you know, uh, D&D had to like codify what a wish could actually do. Like uh, back in second edition, there was like it could raise the stat by this much, but no more. It could give you this much gold, but no more. It could do this, but it can't do that. Um, and it, it got to the point where certain monsters could kill a player character so dead that even a wish can't bring them back. Like, so, <laughs> a wish could do anything. Kind of nullifies it, the point of a wish. Yes, <laughs> but if this monster kills you, you're ultra fucking dead. You're so you're double dead. Um, he's got the anti-wish potion when he killed you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, like the Wishmaster franchise, that that would be yeah the whole thing about wishes and stuff it's, like that. It's just a constant monkey's paw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah it's rule literally rules lawyering the 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 text um the other thing would be the reverse thing which is invasion of the body snatchers where you're really the only you know you're the only normal people everyone around you is becoming uh, a a thing you know a body snatcher uh and that could be obviously a lot of game design to figure out who's you know again reverse werewolf Yeah. yeah mafia um so yeah um, um, actually I should mention this too, cause I like, you're talking about the, the Wishmaster too. Uh, and if we, if you wanted to pull something with a more comedic element, mm-hmm. um, using examples from the, 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 the actual show of what we do in the shadows, oh, yeah. um, because they actually did have a genie characters in the last season and they specifically went over a lot of rules lawyering and saying like, Oh, you wanted particularly this, but this is what I don't want. This is what I want. And the genie actually being impressed saying like, no, I'm glad you're actually putting this forward too. So, cause I just do it unconsciously. <laughs> So, like I, I got to get screwed over. This gives me a lot oh. to work with. Yeah. See, that's good role play. Like where you can actually talk to the GD and sort of negotiate stuff before it's just boom. Yeah. I can't pay it over. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So watch some horror movies this month if you haven't already. And uh, think about game design stuff and like uh, and how Saw is fun, but very God, there's uh <laughs> I mean, there's worse horror movies out there, but I think oh, they're right. fun. Like they're, I had fun watching them all. Yeah. It's just like, oh, but God. completely illogical. I, I do want to do the, the the game where we're all playing people working for the saw department and we're all just like building traps. <laughs> there's office politics and it's just like a scam to, to get, you know. Uh, 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 more funding for the cops, you know, we're just scan- embezzling that. You know, it's like, oh, we need more cops. The saw anti saw task force all got murdered by death. Somebody traps. coming in through the office wearing the pig outfits, like, hey, guess what day is? Like, take that off, Randall. Like, so many cops get murdered in the saw franchise, <laughs> like, uh, not just blown up by death traps, they get captured by traps, and or they turn out to be secret serial killers that. <laughs> 
kill other cops and like I, I just feel like they the, the says yeah we've lost so many cops this year to jigsaw and jigsaw's apprentices we need more money for cops okay sure and then they, they just funnel that to the saw department to build more death traps so they can get more funding so um <laughs> new employee orientation new puppet in the house <laughs> jigsaw starts getting self-conscious oh yeah starts oh. trying to do welcome things. to your first day do you want to play a game oh my god like do a focus group and like we need a replacement puzzle jigsaw is getting a little like dated we what about these puppet designs which scares you more uh that's we get the poochie uh, version of jigsaw well jigsaw's dead for a long time don't worry we got enough recordings of his voice we have an ai to like synthesize things we, oh my god Poochisaw. Yeah. <laughs> saw Poochie saw had to return to his own hand. Home planet. Uh, God, that'd be fun. Um, anyway, uh, so we'll be uh, back in a moment with some uh, shout outs. You're and you're just a tiny little raccoon. Just yes, you're like standing on this fucking thing. Like you don't have to sit down. You can just. I'm a mantis creature riding a horse. <laughs> what the fuck do you think that looks like? Actually, build like a little war platform, so it's like the equivalent of like uh, uh, the people who fought oh, like a howdah. Yeah, yeah, like on top of yeah, like a el- war elephant, but it's a uh, it's the same scale basically. Well, hold on, there is vehicle weaponry. Let's see if there's. <laughs> Don't turn the horse into a technical. Uh, uh, turn the, the horse, horse into a technical. Don't turn the horse you, into a technical. Do it. You, you know you want to. Uh, and that was a clip from our uh, second Cinnabar episode on After Hours this month, where we went through character creation. Uh, if you want to listen to the episode, join the RPPR Patreon for only $2 a month. Uh, you get access to all of our After Hours episodes, which are, uh, we have several years worth of episodes. We also have RPPR Illustrated uh, and access to our community Discord, where you can, uh, where we're doing uh, actually multiple events every week on the Discord. Uh, Aaron's going through Tokusatsu shows like common writer uh we're watching thundar we're doing a lot of cool stuff uh also you know great discussions uh cool links and uh also you're supporting her ppr and keeping it running uh anyways we'll be back with some shout outs and we're back with shout outs because they're cool I guess. Uh, Maybe, I guess. Yeah. You, know, you know who you're talking to. You know who's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my first shout-out is actually going to be a horror movie I just watched uh, on Shudder, uh, which is actually a really cool uh, streaming service because it's cheap, and they find a lot of really cool, weird, and obscure uh, horror movies. So if you're a horror fan, it's it's actually a good deal. Uh, but the one I watched last night is called uh, Salome. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it. It is a African uh, horror movie. It is uh, set in Senegal. Uh, the director is... Uh, uh, Congolese and uh, so it's like in French but you know obviously subtitled but um, it's about a group of mercenaries who were fleeing from a uh, coup uh, they're, they're actually hired by this uh, uh, drug cartel leader to escort him to safety uh, but their their plane runs out of fuel uh, and they have to land in this very remote area uh, in Senegal. And then it's a very spooky area where very, you know, uh, bad things are happening. And uh, yeah, it's very stylish, very interesting characters. Um, and yeah, I, I, I great music, great look, uh, very well acted. I, I uh, highly enjoyed it. So um, it's it's a it's a look at to it's a look into a world that, like a depiction of the supernatural that i'm not familiar with like the 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 folklore and the uh, uh 
uh, uh, you know, talking about their spirits and like the stuff is like, oh, this is all new to me. Like, this is great. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's very cool uh, stuff. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, Chris, you had a, a shout out for something spooky, too. I know uh, you, you've been playing a spooky game a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Hi, listeners. I'm Christopher Farmer. So uh, uh, recently a uh, game, an adventure game was released called Scorn. Uh, and, uh, you know, for, you know, you, you can call the first person walking simulator if you want to, you know, if you're, you know, 20 years old. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, Scorn is notable because it, it, it borrows heavily from the work of several Central European artists such as H.R. Giger and Mobius and mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, leads very heavily into the biomechanical aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and 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 um, atmosphere is the uh, ruler that 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 uh, that 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 casts. The uh, uh, overall tone of mm. this of this, I appreciate. I appreciate how quiet it is. I appreciate the somberness. I'm certain that when you get into it, that you know the volume gets up a little bit. Maybe perhaps uh, 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 um, the closest game I can compare it to is uh, perhaps Mist. Oh, in, in wow! So, in so far as like you know. You're in a strange world. Nothing's particularly explained to you. You kind of just have to wander around and poke at stuff until you make those connections and figure out exactly what it is the game wants you to do. And, you know, those games are very popular. A lot of people love them. Great. Not for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the adventure aesthetic right now, just rub two items together is kind of very specific. That's weird because, and, like, I remember the gameplay previews or the, the stuff they've been showing for years now about the game. It made it more like an FPS where you're just blowing up enemies with weird biomechanical organic guns and shit. I didn't make it that far, but uh, uh, people, okay. pe- people, people who I talk with on Twitter, you know, they got to it. And, yeah. And uh, and and in, at, at at the risk at the risk of poisoning the well, they weren't impressed with the combat either. Uh, you okay. know, I, I I don't want what I'm saying here to you know I'm not I'm, don't play scourge. I'm not saying well, that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on Game Pass, which is ten bucks a month on PC. So if you have that, it's well, I I'm going to install it because I have it. I just haven't. I will. Uh, but yeah, I, I plan to play it. But yeah. uh, probably give give it more. You should play it for me so I can read about <laughs> it later and get everything I would get out of it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron. Uh, yeah, my shout out uh, is not specifically horror based, so yeah. but more fantastical. Um, a movie that came out a couple months ago called Three Thousand Years of Longing. So it has uh, stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Uh, Tilda Swinton's a uh, kind of a, a writer about lore and mythology who ends up encountering this genie that uh, Idris Elba plays, and it is more of kind of like a play essentially where they're talking back and forth at each other too, like mildly waiting for Godot, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but they, the genie talks about his background and story, which is separated into basically these three vignettes about uh, everything that kind of connects the relationship between these two. Uh, I had a good friend who was invited me out because I, I remember seeing a, 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 a trailer. trailer for it. Thank you. Yeah. But it's like, oh, this is kind of cool, but didn't really given any thought to because uh admittedly it also looked like more just of, of a full-on romance movie it's like all right i'm usually not about it in there but it actually was very well told in my opinion just with the richness of all the characters and these mystical and magical backgrounds of all what the genie uh idris elba's character was talking about and just the the play interaction between him and tilda swinton it's like i'm really drawn in it, it, it to me it came off like one of the one shots from sandman where they're just giving kind of weird allegorical tales 
details where dream might've been just in the background somewhere, or Mm -hmm. it's telling you from another perspective. So uh, I honestly highly recommend it. It's, um, it's, uh, it's actually a well-paced movie. It just kind of moves at its own, at at its own pace and does a really good job. So highly recommend it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, So my next shout out is uh, actually another horror thing. Uh, Forgive me, father. Uh, which is a Lovecraftian uh, first-person shooter uh, where you play as either a detective or a priest, and it does the two... Well, it's actually like a 2.5D, because like you can jump, but like every character is like a, a flat sprite, like in Duke Nukem uh, or Doom. Uh, but it's got like a very like kind of like an almost darkest dungeon style art style to it. So uh, pretty well illustrated. Um, but yeah, you just go around murdering uh, hordes of cultists with the Tommy gun. It's set in the twenties, but like it gets very fantastical and you have to, you know, murder these people and just keep on looking for your lost missing cousin or someone. I don't even remember. Cause it's like, you're just murdering hordes and hordes of people. It's, it's got the old school kind of FPS, like lots of secret areas. Lots, uh, it does have a skill tree system, but you can reset it to change like what your, what upgrades your weapons have and shit like that. Um, so you can, and you also get a number of abilities that have, have uh, uh cooldowns like a berserk one uh a rate you know an air wave attack that bl- hits every enemy around you and uh, uh, uh time slowdown ability uh as you at least as i played as a journalist uh the priest has different abilities uh so there's some variability in that too um yeah it's it's, it's a fun horde shooter well not you know old school fps kind of thing so uh not not quite serious yeah but yeah i mean there's a lot of fucking enemies um and very basic gameplay like find the red key to open the blue door and that kind of shit but like it's i don't know it's fun and there's a lot of cool stuff ideas in it but it's also um, so if you like those kind of games, if you like like blood and doom and, you know, Duke Nukem style FPS it's fun. But, uh, I, I, I just wish people doing Lovecrafting games would set it in some time other than the 1920s. Like Tommy <laughs> guns are very cool. Don't get me terribly wrong. badass. I'm sorry. You yeah, can't beat it. Yeah. You can't beat it. But like you can have Tommy guns in the present day. You can just have Tommy guns. <laughs> you don't have to be in the 1920s to use a Tommy gun. Like no, it could be, it, you it, could it, actually have it before the, the, the 1920s. Just be a time traveler. You, you, you <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Tommy guns and T-Rexes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. Actually. Yeah. No, it's like make it with the Ithians. You can, they can bring a, t- a Tommy gun back to you it's fine yeah so. exactly so <laughs> just just set it in, i'm just it's like world war ii to me at this point like 1920s i'm just like <laughs> it's not an automatic i'm not gonna do it but it's just so overdone i just it's uh, anything i see this 1920s horror is an automatic points off. See, that's <laughs> like, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's one of the things I talked about with Jason briefly. It's like when we see a World War One movie come up or something, yeah. it's like, holy crap, let's go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like uh, All Quiet on the Western Front has been remade mm-hmm. for Netflix and it's going to be very lavish uh, uh, production. But I mean, that's that's that makes sense. Like because there's war in Ukraine like that. That's 100 percent why that movie is made is because it's going to be commentary on that. Uh, I bet you. Um, so. Yeah, uh, the uh, yeah, so that's my second shout out, uh, Chris. Um, <laughs> I know you've been playing some uh, retro video games. Uh, 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 what's on the list? <laughs> uh, Shining the Holy Ark. Thank you so much. Okay, yeah, yeah. I knew I, 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 was, I was, we do notes before we, we, we like plan these episodes, actually. 
So, uh, yeah, Shining the Holy Ark. So, uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> so, Shining the Holy Ark is from is an old game for the Sega Saturn. Uh, Saturn was a mid nineties console, one of the first three D ones. Anyways, this was a console that this was a console I wanted back when I was in high school. I knew about the game. I read about it. I never really got my hands on the Sega Saturn until after I'd graduated. Uh, we are now here in the far flung future where I have a ridiculous pa- uh, graphics card, and the GPU can just you know make any emulator run. So you know the, the the puzzle of getting the Sega Saturn to be emulated has more or less been obliterated at this point. In cool. And yeah, in the early two thousands, and and so and, and from there, the Sega Saturn being emulated was like a huge puzzle. You know, you only had like a couple of proprietary emulators where you had to like pay someone thirty bucks to get a key for their emulator, you know, or you were just SOL. So you know, basically now I have this GPU. The emulators are great. I'm going through all my old Sega Saturn games. I wanted to play one of them was called Shining Holy Ark, which is part of a series called Shining Force. The Shining series is still being made today. If you see a game published by Sega and has the word Shining in it, it is part of the Shining series. I remember Shining Force for the Genesis. Like, yeah. That's like the squad-based, turn-based RPG. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Sega's answer to uh, Like, I beat Fire those Emblem. games at a okay. friend's house. Like, I, I played it enough to do that. Like, I didn't I played it again on an emulator because I love those games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, the original Shining Force was a game my brother and I rented over and over again. We yeah, just, yeah. we love those, we love the art. The art, oh, the yeah. characters. It was just, you know, it was bright, but, you know, not, not saccharine. You know, things were yeah, menacing, yeah. but not bleak. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Shining the Holy Ark is in that same universe story thing. And uh, it's very much a first person pro- uh, uh, dungeon crawl. But man, this is like th- th- this is like wizardry with all the edges shaved off. I mean, this is a, this is a smooth. Oh, so it's actually beatable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a first person dungeon adventure. And it's kind of cool how because it has grid based movement, but it has curves on the path. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, you, you, you take like these natural curves as you walk around these towns. So it's not like, you know, this robot click, click, click around. So yeah, yeah. the movement's very fun. Here's here's what here's what I like most about the game. I'm going to take video of it because I'm going to talk about it later in one of my videos. Hmm. Um, you can examine pretty much every object in the environment, but you know you will only know if it's an examinable object if you press the C button and it automatically brings up a dialogue window. If it brings up a command window, you can't search it. But you know you can search trees and rocks and stuff, and you're looking for treasure. And sometimes you do find treasure, but but every once in a while it's randomized. You get a little vignette to play. Like I'm in this cave in this tunnel in the forest, and it's full of boulders, and I'm examining the boulders. And every once in a while it'll, it'll play like this little animation of a hedgehog jumping out. You know, and it, and it plays like it's like. Hada! It's trying to, it's like a jump scare kind of, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. really, but it's like, and then this hedgehog scurries away, <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, oh, like, didn't gonna, expect that. So. How much experience are you worth? You little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker. Uh, just, 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 um, it, it, and everyone is so practical in the game. Hmm. It's, it's like, you know, you, you know, we're, we're not talking about, you know, thousands of years of, of empires and Kings and shit like that. It's very much set in the moment, you know, like you have your basic rating party. We just need to get this done. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're trapped in the town with these mercenaries. They're trying to kill you, but the town elders like, I'm not going to have anyone kill, kill kill anybody. Don't don't do this shit in my town. So like you know, there, there, there's this sort of like tense thing, and, and and it's it's just very grounded for an anime fantasy. Yeah, that's what I really like about it. Okay, yeah, no, that sounds cool. I'll I'll, I'll probably check it out too uh, if if I can get it on an emulator. Yeah, um, Aaron. Uh, let's see. Um, I do have my second one, which is a bit out of there. Uh, I only say it's Halloween based because they had Halloween episodes in the original series, mm-hmm. but uh, the 
new quantum leap. So I, I feel I had to talk about this only just because uh, a when I was growing up, I love time travel stories. It is just, you know, as messy as they can get. Um, it was, do you a, know, there's a time travel RPG. Do you want to read about it? Do you want to do you want to try and run it for us? Oh, my goodness. Don't please. bring up continuum again. <laughs> oh. You know, my answer to that already. <laughs> I already tried that. That and I already tried that. Moving on, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the original is a, the original Quantum Leap is a big favorite of mine. I watch it with my mom a lot up till the end, which if you haven't seen that uh, spoilers, the main character never made it home and we could all throw our uh, remote at the TV at that time. But they decided to go ahead and make it's uh, a continuation. It's really not a soft reboot of anything. They brought in new character, uh, Dr. Ben Song. So and uh, they brought a mysterious reason. And instead of, you know, being Sam Beckett, hey, I just want to test my cool shit out and leap back. And oh, fuck, what did I just do? Um, They are putting a bit of a mystery box element to it, which I was very nervous when I first saw this because I was like, oh, God, is this just going to be the entire J.J. Abrams portion of it again? Mm -hmm. But in the short time, they've made a lot of connections back to the original series. They uh, are doing a lot more. No uh, drama with the actual Quantum Leap team back, which I thought could possibly detract from it, because one of the charms of the original series is that it essentially was a period piece Mm -hmm. for adventure, drama or whatever, comedy or whatever, which really made it interesting and unique for its time um you felt trapped with dr sam you did yeah you felt trapped with him that's why the series was so cool yeah and then you only had al as the link uh if you didn't watch the original series he was basically a hologram of his friend who could follow him around and had a hand link one which i will buy one of these days when i that i love that thing so much i do it is just pure it's pure late 80s early 90s aesthetic i don't give a shit um but they they do link everything else into the specifically saying that, you know, this may be a, a mission to save Sam, that, but they don't know yet because Ben basically leaped back and everybody's trying to figure out what the hell he's done because the process messes with your memory. So um, like that. And again, the only thing I could see about that as bad is right now just growing pains with literally being the first season of your series. Like some of the music choices are a bit off acting is a little bit if there too, but nothing that's bad so far. So I'm enjoying it so far. If you'd like the original one, I would recommend giving it a shot. It just got extended, uh, I think, for, I think, five more episodes or six there. So it should be like a 20 or 25 episode season this point. So I saw the first episode and I didn't dislike it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's like it, it, and I usually I'm trying to keep to the theory, uh, to the the practice of at least giving it a series three episodes before I decide, like, I'm not going to do this anymore or I'm going to hate watch something which I try not to do. But uh, sorry, rings of power. But, yep. um, but we won't get into that now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's I, I think it's well worth the time, too. And uh, I also say this because I have other people I follow, like there's a person I follow that specifically does quantum leap fandom stuff and uh she immediately said like all right i'm thinking i'm good with this so uh, there you go, folks one and a half recommendations yeah, exactly all right so, yeah so, so if you like the old one give this a shot so. okay uh yeah so my next thing will be a book uh i just finished uh it's called happy endings it's by bella green uh this is actually a friend of maddie's um and uh she is a stand-up comedian and a sex worker uh in australia where the sex work is legal um and so it's it's a autobiography of her 
uh, life uh, of becoming a sex worker and like, you know, funny stories about her clients and also sad stories about her life and everything in between. Um, so it's an interesting insight into what it's like uh, uh uh, to be a sex worker, you know, uh, dealing with the boredom of waiting for clients or, you know, uh, uh, the weird hangups they have, obviously, and also just her personal life. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a fascinating book. I don't know if it's available in America. Uh, you know, I, I got a print copy from Maddie because, you know, or I borrowed uh, their copy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a fun book. Uh, it's, it's very fascinating. Uh, so, um, just the stories of, uh, Bella, you know, dealing with the, the petty, the office politics of working in a brothel between like dealing with the receptionist who can help you get good clients or, you know, uh, uh, and dealing with other, you know, competing or, or working together. Like, obviously like you're all in the trenches basically with your other, <laughs> uh, uh, sex workers. Uh, so you gotta hang in there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, pretty fascinating stuff. So, um, uh, Chris, you, didn't you have another game? Uh, I, cer- I certainly did. Yeah, yeah. I certainly did. Uh, 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 I want Ross to say the name, though. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, what I have in my notes is Disney Dream Light Valley. <laughs> Hi, audience. I'm Christopher Farmer. And I play video games quite a lot. This yeah. will include obvious corporate pieces of shit. Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, I, I can't make an excuse. You know, I, I grew up in America, and most people in my generation, you know, they've been poisoned by Disney. So, you know, obviously, I'm always going to have some sort of fondness for, you know, the Little Mermaid and, and the Lion King and all that other stuff. So uh, the basic premise of Disney Dreamlight Valley is that it's Animal Crossing, but with Disney people. Oh. And that and that and that sounds like that sounds like a, a thundering endorsement, but hang on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hang on. you know the the the, the 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 tremendous strength of Animal Crossing is its is its, is its social aspects, you know, and it's like you know you, you see people sharing like their incredible custom villages that make their own tile sets, and it looks you know completely different from what Nintendo was able, would, would let them do. People do like a lot of really cool stuff with Animal Crossing, you know, things that weren't intended. They're, they they work outside those parameters, and 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 you know. That makes truly incredible art. What people do with Animal Crossing is art. You should look it up. Uh, but there's not nearly that much freedom with, with, with the with the Disney Dreamlight Valley. And, you know, and, and, and that's not bad because I think it's just really how to. OK, Animal Crossing is, is Animal Crossing is a lot like Minecraft. You have to come into it with your own idea of what you want to do and how to have your own fun. Uh, okay, yeah. And with Animal Crossing, you know, if you don't have your own, like, you know, like I want my island to look like this. You know, I want the 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 residential area. You don't here. have an angle. Yeah, you have it, to make it, your own angle. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's not a lot of direction in it. So now yeah. you you can move things around in the Disney game. You can you, know, you can put buildings wherever you want, but it's, but but you know that 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 level of customization, that that intensely personal expression that is possible with Animal Crossing isn't done in Disney Dreamlight Valley, but. That means it's perfect for me because I have a rotten imagination. <laughs> and I've, every time I try to get into Minecraft, I'm just like, if I want to avoid the zombies, I'll dig down three squares and put one square above me and wait till daylight. Oh, I, I, I solved the zombie problem. <laughs> Most people are like, well, we got to build a fortress. We got to have death traps and doors and beds, and we got to put a trunk here. And I'm just like, you can just dig down two squares. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's that's the kind of player. Death trap, that's how that's how you get a jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So I guess I guess I guess the uh, the, the 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 ending message is 
you know, if, if you want to play a life simulator, but you want to be told what to do, goodness gracious, Disney Dreamlight Valley holds you by the hand every step of the way. And then finally, <laughs> has and then that finally, little respect for the player. <laughs> but okay, okay, okay. Here, here's the esoteric stuff that I think it's really yeah. good. So you have t- you have conversations with these Disney characters. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's like fucking. I'm sorry. It's, it's not, not a saying, visual novel. It's not a visual novel. It's not like Mass Effect where you're trying to like you know you know, can I can I coerce Donald Duck to the dark side? No, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that would be that would be very. Yeah, cool, yeah. But you have both villains and generic Disney characters around, and they all they all manage to interact. And and, and you know, the two moralities: do, generic and villain. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, they interact with each other, and like other characters reference each other, and they have spats and stuff. Yeah. And like the cool thing is that when you're talking with these people, you can be very polite and enthusiastic. Uh, you could be a teenager, which is not having any emotions at the time, or you can just be an asshole to these. <laughs> Especially yeah, girl, when you skin those puppies. Especially. Oh. <laughs> Not that bad. Oh man, I can't wait till they put Corella in. Oh. Um, but it's it's like, you know, like like you know, Scar the Lion would come by and like he, he always talks down about everybody. And you know, you have to make like a magic potion to improve your shovel. I don't I don't know what that's about. But it's like, you know, and, and Scar tells you you will need lion's claws in order to make this potion. And you know, one of the options is where do I find this? Normal question. Yeah. Two is, are you sure something else can't work because you want to doubt him? And then the third is, it's like, okay, give me your claws. Give me your claws right now. Let's do this. And then, you know, I chose the asshole option. And it's like, oh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. And I'm hearing in Jeremy Irons' voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, and it's like, you know, that's just one instance of like, you know, for, for me, it's fun because, you know, it, it adds like these human meta elements to it. You know, it's it's not like you're not trapped in the Disney world. You're visiting it. And of course, you know things about other characters. That they yeah, know. yeah. So, you know, that's the other thing I like about it. And, uh, you know, give it a shot. It's on Game Pass. It's free. Thank you. Okay. Although I, I, when you said that, too, my first thought was like having Scar come up behind you and your your responses on there. It's like you need Lion's Claws. The, first, the fourth, I think, should have just been, holy shit, a talking lion. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would like that. Uh the person who does not know what the metaverse is. They have, uh, yeah. True power move. Um yeah, final shout out uh would be uh a an album, a drum and bass album. I am a fan of drum and bass. I don't talk about it on Night Clerk Radio, my my music review podcast, because it's not really haunted. It's just drums really fast and ah, it's fun. Um uh, anyways, they there is an album called Floodlight DNB Aid for Pakistan. So it is a seven and a half hour compilation, like 93 tracks. It's utterly ridiculous. But it, the money uh that is being raised for it is all going to uh flood aid for uh uh, Pakistan. So it's like 10 bucks on Bandcamp. So send bucks to a good cause and you get like a seven and a half hours of drum and bass music, good drum and bass music. So, uh, when my, uh, uh, a DJ I've been listening to a lot lately, alpha rhythm, who's on YouTube, uh, uh, contributed to it. So, um, yeah, it's just, just good music and a good cause. So that, that's it. That's, that's all there is to it. But anyway, um, yeah, don't forget, uh, we have a horror marathon on October 30th on the RPPR discord. If you're a patron, uh, uh, check that out uh and we will also be doing other events on the discord and of course we have after hours and a lot of other cool stuff uh thank you all so much uh oh also um yeah check the uh, patreon because i just added um 
RSS feeds, figured out how to do RSS feeds for particular campaigns. So if you want to listen to No Evil or Tribes of Tokyo or any of our other older campaigns uh, on patreon.com slash RPPR, you can find a post that links to RSS feeds that you can feed into any podcasting app that will get you just that campaign. Because the thing about RSS feeds is uh, they're limited to 500 entries. And I just checked, there's like 770 episodes on RPPR actual plagues. I've been doing this for a hot fucking minute and it will never end. Uh, <laughs> And so a lot of our older campaigns are no longer available in the main RSS feed. So this will get you just those campaigns. Um, so if you want to listen to the new one, like heart, the uh, descending derelictus, which, you know, Aaron was in uh, that, that is uh, you can just get those for example, but anyways, okay. that's on there. Uh, everyone can access that post, but um, yeah, just, I, I should have mentioned that earlier, but this is your reward for listening to the whole episode. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, before we go, uh, Chris, uh, anything you want to shout out or plug for yourself? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is the third time I get to do this. He's very nice to me. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> my name is christopher farmer and uh, uh i i've taken on the alias operation kill the pac-man uh i've hidden my blog but i have a video i have a video that's on youtube uh if you want to find it search for my channel it's the acronym OKTPM. Mm-hmm. uh it's about namco uh it's about namco the game company and the namco museum series which they uh, had in the mid 90s uh and they were all digital museums and it's not something that i had seen replicator you no know, one's really tried to replicate that since then so i uh, i talk about it for 20 minutes and make the argument that we should do more of it and uh try it you'll like it yeah uh and we're you're, you're gonna be doing more videos and uh we're talking about doing the podcast about video games so we'll have more info when we get that stuff ready so yeah <laughs> the next video is going to be about fear of the water yeah fear of the water uh and aaron oh hey uh so this is aaron a uh, long-standing member of role-playing public radio so uh you can reach me at, at aaron carson on twitter uh and for things as ross mentioned before um i am doing a weekly uh tokusatsu based uh stream for uh, the uh, discord so if you're paying for that you can come in and watch that we have a lot of stuff that exists in the uh, it's like the wonderful translated areas that we can get our hands on so mm-hmm. forth so if you want to watch we show a lot of fun weird stuff there uh and uh also i do uh twitch uh i am on twitch at raillery podcast streaming uh we do a lot of games and ross has been on several of those right now with mm-hmm. different multiple things i not sure, and I've dragged Chris into this as well. Uh, currently, we're going through a playthrough of uh, the game Digimon Cyber Sleuth, which is RPG slash visual novel elements. So uh, you can find all of the VODs on there right now, which we'll hopefully be collecting soon. But uh, yeah, we even have other games that we'll be planning, but Wednesday nights every week. So 6 p.m. Right. Uh, and thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you later. All right. All right.
Just doing a little sound test. Hey, I'm talking into a microphone. I'm getting levels. Can you hear me? We can. All right. Uh, do you want to talk, Aaron? Uh, testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing probably need to be a closer and louder, So, but I can do that. Yep. Because I'm told I get, get loud and my voice projects every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, uh, as you get more excited. All right, Chris, <laughs> you can shit. talk too. Hi, this is Chris Farmer speaking. It's yeah. me and the guy, Chris. Yeah, there, there we go. See? Excellent. That's how microphones work. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs>